Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. This is a time when God is getting ready to show up. God's getting ready to demonstrate Himself. We're going to see the power of God, I believe, like none of us have ever seen before. And some of us have seen some outpourings in the past, but I believe what is getting ready to happen is going to be so amazing. It's going to be shocking even to those that have seen God's power poured out or past revivals. I believe that there's already a great awakening. There are people coming to the Lord. I've seen more people come to the Lord. I've seen more people hungry for God, wanting to know, almost pursuing me, so to speak, wanting to know more about God. It's been unusual. There's been a definite change, and this is God working. There's a man that I've been familiar with probably since I was in college, which was a long time ago. He's still preaching. He used to be known for revivals, you know, and and the move of God out in Berkeley, California. And his name is Mario Murillo, if you want to look him up. But he shared recently, he's having a move of God like he's never seen before. In the middle of his preaching, people are having him stop, or he, actually they're, they're wailing, they're crying, they're uncontrollably crying, and they can't hold themselves because what's happening is God's so moving on their hearts that they're convicted of their sins. They want to get right with God. He has to stop his services in the middle of service to lead them to the Lord, to, to give them some relief from their burden of conviction that they have. And so that's a move of God. Yes, we're doing our part, And he's had open doors there. And I believe God's going to continue to give us open doors. And more and more people are going to get saved. And I want you to be encouraged, every single one of you that's listening to me today, that you're already following the Lord. You know, this is a season of harvest. Get ready to do something for the Lord. Disconnect from just the temporal things you might be looking at and having consumed with every day. And start to look to God because... This is an hour when God is going to bring in a great, great harvest. I just want to mention something, of course. Looking back, if you look at what's going on in America, it really looks like Satan has the momentum. That's what it looks like. And that's what it's looked like in the last few decades. But it looks like there's an exponential increase in what we would call just demonic things happening, ungodly things happening. I was thinking to make a list of just what we had in the news just in one week, but it's just too long. I just thought I'd just mention a few little highlights from last week. Generation Z. What are you going to do after Generation Z? What are they going to name the next one? Who knows? These are these people up to age 24. One in six of those identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, or transgender. One in six. Above 24, it hasn't changed. Same as it was years ago. What's the difference? It's culture. Our culture is having an influence which is perverting society and causing people to go in the wrong direction and bringing confusion. It's the force that's in our society, you see. There's a bill that just came up before California to make it illegal to have a girls' and boys' section in parts of department stores. They say, well, they want them to be gender neutral. And it all came about because one of the, I guess he's a, what would you call him, a legislative guy in California, one of his staffers went to the store, and she complained that her daughter had to go buy the toy she wanted in the boys' toy department. Oh, what a horrible thing. What an injustice. Somebody should be punished for doing something like that. So now he's come up with a bill 
where the bill's going to go before the California lawmakers. And they're going to decide, can, are we going to make this law where it will become illegal to have a boy's toy section and a girl's toy section? It needs to be gender neutral. That's it, just the craziest thing. And there are other laws coming up. You know, the House just passed the Equality Act, I understand, just this past week which not only expands abortion and makes doctors do reassignment procedures that they may not even agree with in their conscience, and it allows, from what I understand, children to make life-altering sex change decisions. That's the most ridiculous thing ever. And of course, the thing I think most of us are familiar with, going to allow biological men to compete in women's sports and use the bathroom locker room and all of that. But that's, that's just the craziest thing. And it's the most crazy thing in our culture that we're going in this direction. This did never happen because of common sense. This happened simply because of catering to the loudest voices and trying to act like someone's honorable. You know, a lot of the things that are done today, someone was just mentioned to me yesterday, how some of these companies that they want to act like they're the most righteous. Oh, they're behind this momentum of whatever it might be. Whatever the new thing is where we say, oh, this is what's right to be done. And yet they're making their big money in all these nations that have some of the worst injustices going on ever, and they never say a thing about those. In fact, some of them are actually participating in violating people's rights in other nations. But when they're over here, they're going to act like they're Mr. or Miss Righteous company, you know, to try to bring that image. It's just crazy how we are so duped and manipulated. Another thing I saw this week, how about Mr. Potato Head? They want to take the Mr. off of it. Hasbro says, you know what? We need to remove the Mr. off of Mr. Potato Head. And he's no longer Mr. Potato Head because that's not inclusive enough. They said it's limiting when it comes to gender identity. I mean, I want you to think about that. They have to make a Mr. Potato Head a just potato head because it's limiting to gender identity and family structure. You see where that's going? I am telling you, it looks like an avalanche of evil. And that's just a handful of highlights from one week. I mean, it's just one week and there's a lot more of them that could come out. These are the ones that seem to be more striking to me. In light of all of that, you see, a lot of people are going, oh no, Bad's just going to happen. Oh, look, things are going to get worse to worse. I want to tell you today, God is bigger than all of those things. God is bigger than what's happening, and God has not been asleep. God is going to be involved. God is going to step into history, so to speak, and do something really amazing. You see, there are always those seasons when it looks like God's not involved, like God doesn't get involved. But in those times, there's a remnant that's paying attention to what's going on. And they begin to pray. They begin to recognize that there's more demonic activity. There's more of the demonic darkness increasing in their nation or in the earth. And they realize that they have to have the power of God. And if there's no power, then there's no hope. And they've been praying. And I hope you've been praying. And you've been believing God because our culture needs help. People that are blinded by the works and the lies of this generation need help. The spirit of this generation has been influencing people and bringing a great darkness in minds and in souls and in individual lives. And I just want to encourage you. I believe that there's been a lot of prayer going on through the faithful remnant who've been crying out to God 
And one thing that I believe, and I've been believing this for a while, I mean, I've just been sensing that one of the next great things God does is He's going to bring the fear of God back into the earth. One of the reasons why we all got off course is because the fear of God left the earth. It left the church. Where the church, the fear of God is almost something they don't want to have in church anymore because the fear of God makes people feel uncomfortable. And some churches don't want people to feel uncomfortable about anything. You can't have the fear of God in your church if you're afraid of making people feel uncomfortable because it comes in that way. But not only did it leave the church, it's left our culture. People no longer have the fear of God. And I have shared this before. I'm not going to get into it in as much detail, but God is going to bring that back. I fully believe that. I believe God's going to step in to history, and I believe that we're going to see God do some amazing things that are shocking. I believe that God Himself is going to deal with those people that have come against every good thing. They have lied knowingly manipulated others and they have called evil good and they have called good evil and they've given the finger to God and spat in his face. I believe God's going to come and he's going to deal with these people. I used to think that the fear of God was going to come into the church first and it was going to come because we've been praying and just the presence of God would come. And I began to realize more and more, you know what? That's probably not how it's going to come. It's going to come because God's going to start judging things and people are going to be held accountable by God and the fear of God's going to come back. You see, where there's no accountability, there's no fear. I just want to mention a couple of verses that have been going through my heart this week. Isaiah 26, 9. When your judgments, O Lord, are in the earth, the inhabitants will learn righteousness. You see, sometimes it's as if God is withholding certain things, but there are times when it's like God's judgments are in the earth. He begins to bring things into alignment with His will and people that have resisted Him. I'm not just talking about people who are ignorant and have got some things wrong in their life. I'm talking about people who have just the greatest darkness in their souls and do evil and manipulate and lie and deceive and make other people think that they're actually doing them good when they know they're not. There's another verse I was reading this week, and I thought, man, that sounds intense, but I almost didn't want to read it. And I'm going, well, that's crazy. God's all in this verse. I definitely need to read it. It's in Proverbs, and I believe this is for today. And I just want you to listen to it, and you think about this. Does this register with you for right now? Does it seem God is highlighting this verse right now? God says, because I called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes, when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you. Then they'll call on me, but I won't answer. They'll seek me diligently, but they won't find me because they hated knowledge and they did not choose the fear of the Lord to do what they knew was right. They'd have none of my counsel, and they despised my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way. That's called reaping what you sow. You might go, oh, oh, maybe God's not going to do this, or God's not going to do that. Okay, well, at least you can agree with me that the Bible says you are going to reap whatever you have sown. 
That's actually what he's saying right here. They're going to eat the fruit of their own way and be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of calamity or evil. Praise God for his word that is so strong. This is an hour you better be listening to God. This is an hour you better turn to God. This is an hour where you better wake up and begin to fear the Lord if you don't have the fear of the Lord in your heart. The Word of God here says the complacency of fools will kill them. What's complacency? Complacency is when you don't take anything too seriously. You don't really act on anything. Maybe you believe in your mind something, but it doesn't touch you enough to really act on it. So there's no fear of God in complacent people. There's a putting off of things. There's a not taking things seriously. There's no urgency. But I want to just tell you right now, it says the complacency of fools will kill them. That's what we just read. It's time to stop putting God off. It's time to pay attention to God. It's time to start taking things to heart. And it's time for you to begin to evaluate your life. Where are you with God? How have you been living? What are your priorities and what are you living for? Maybe you need to adjust some of your priorities and come back to God. Don't be complacent. Don't think, oh, I can just put that off. Don't think that God doesn't care about those things because God does care about those things. He's not been asleep. He watches everything that goes on and he's looking for one whose heart is completely his that he should strongly support him and he also recognized those as we saw earlier that have resisted him that don't want anything to do with him that lies deceive and cheat and they know what they're doing is wrong he has been watching that too and just like he supports one. There comes a time when he deals with those that have been corrupting others. And I believe that time is coming. And God is calling a people back to himself. He's not just calling sinners now. I want to also mention this. He's not just calling sinners to get saved. He's calling his church back to himself. He's calling a people that have become distracted back to himself. He's causing us to put God back at the center of everything where he's not just added to our pursuits. No, he is the center of life. He's the reason we live. He is what we pursue every day. Life is all about God. And you see, there's a reason why we've gotten cold and we need to fix it. But I just want to say God is calling us back to that place of radical love and radical devotion. It's going to be all about him. It's, he's going to be our great pursuit. He's going to be our reason for living in this hour. You see, I believe we've been distracted with so many things. And whenever we're distracted with things, we start thinking about God and we'll go, you know, I need to love God more. And so we try in our minds just to say we're going to love God more, right? Yeah, I need to love God more. Well, you just can't say that in your mind and make yourself love God more. You have to do what is necessary to prepare your heart to love God more. Then you'll love God more then you'll feel more love. Let me just go through this example. I'll read you this story that Jesus gives in Luke chapter 14. And it's about this man who's preparing a great supper. So he's preparing a great supper in Luke 14, verse 16. He prepared a great supper and invited many, sent his, his servant out and said, it's supper time, by the way, go 
and invite everybody. I've made it ready. Man, I'm so excited about this supper I've made for everyone. So the guy goes out, the servant goes out to invite people, and the first person goes and says, oh, I bought a piece of ground. I, I just bought this land. I need to go look at it. And then another guy goes, oh, I, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I got something else to do today. I'm real sorry about that. I, that was really nice. And you know, I love that guy. You know, I love that man who's made that supper for us. That was so nice of him, but I just can't be there today. I just bought five oxen. I need to go look at them. And another one says, look, I married a wife. I can't come. I, I just got married. And then the, the servant came and reported all these things to the master and the master got angry. And he says, go out and invite anybody who comes pretty much is what he's saying. Now, I want to just mention a couple of things about this story that Jesus has given us. You see, the first thing he's talking about is supper. Come to my supper. What does supper represent? It's talking about fellowship. We break bread together. It's talking about fellowship. Another example is when Jesus in Revelation says, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody answers, I'll come in and I will sup with you. What's he talking about there? He's talking about, I'm going to have fellowship with you. Now, the irony in this story is he's knocking at the door of a church. And he's saying, I'm there knocking. If you would just open up, I will come in fellowship with you. That's a bad picture, isn't it? Can you imagine Jesus knocking? Knocking, trying to get in? And why aren't people answering? Because they're not even recognizing that he's knocking. And why don't they know he's knocking? Why don't they know he's at the door? Because they're too busy with their other things that they've got going on in life. They're so excited about everything else. They're not taking time to go answer the door. And that's the exact same illustration that we have in that marriage supper. We go back to that. It, this man, he made this big supper and no one comes to it. Why? Is it because they're immoral? No, it's not because they're immoral. Is it because they don't like that man? No, it's not because they don't like that man. It's because simply they've got other things they're so excited about. They've got other things they're thinking about. You know, they're all into this life. They're all into the new things they have. And guess what? Anytime you get so into the things of this world, your love for God, your desire for God is going to go down. There's no other way about it. Anytime you allow the things of this life to get into your heart, they become your pursuit every day. You see, whenever you start to do that, guess what? Your love's going to go down. And you can't just say, oh, I'll just love God. No, you have to pull out what's getting in the way before that love can come back, before you can be passionate about God. Some people are like, man, I wish I could be passionate for God. Man, I wish I could love God. You can. It's a commandment of God. God would never command you to do something that you're not able to do. But you're not willing, perhaps, to do what you have to do to, to prepare your heart so that you can love God the way He says. You see, you can't love Him if you're not willing to deal with things in your life. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but it means you've got to put Him above everything else. And look in this story. Think about this story. Oh, with all these people, this is something new. Everything's new. Oh, I have a wife. Oh, I just got married. Oh, I just bought some land. They're all excited with the new. I want to mention, when people get saved, that same thing that we have in our nature that makes us excited and absorbed with the new works in new believers. We call that the honeymoon time. Is that bad? No, it's a good thing. They're thinking about God. It's new. They've just given their life to Him. They start thinking about Him all the time, right? And they'll be talking about Him. And some older believers are like, oh yeah, you just wait till you get older. That love, it'll die down. 
you won't be so excited later. And too often, actually, that has been true with a lot of people. But that's not God's way. I believe that that excitement is from the Lord, right? But what God wants us to do is learn how to maintain and to cultivate it. Whenever we come to the Lord, it's almost natural because we've given up everything. We laid down everything. Hopefully, when you got saved, you got saved realizing you have to repent. You have to turn away from serving you, and you have to serve God now. If you did that, there's a joy that comes up in your heart and in your life because now you're free from that stuff, and you're serving God. It's a whole new world. You're thinking about it every day. You go to bed thinking about God. You wake up thinking about God. You're singing. You're wanting to pray during the day. Man, that's what happens whenever we get free and we're just we're amazed because our whole life has changed. It's new, right? That's not bad. But what happens is later when the newness wears off, we have to learn to cultivate our hearts. We have to learn to cultivate our lives and bring us into a place where we are loving the Lord as He commanded us to. It then becomes a choice to do what we have to do to put Him first and to make sure that we're loving Him. Now there's this church that Jesus spoke to in Revelation. It's in chapter 2, verses 2 through 5. I've gone through this thing a handful of times in the last couple of years. Jesus said this to His people. These are His people, right? He says, I know your works. I know your labor, your patience, that you can't bear those who are evil. And you've tested those who say they're apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you've persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Man, that sounds like one amazing group of people that love Jesus. But then he says this, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Jesus tells this church, you have left your first love. I bet you it shocked them. I bet they felt horrible to hear those words because I do believe they loved Jesus. The Bible doesn't say they didn't love Him anymore. Jesus says, you don't love me the way you used to. They had had that encounter, that zealous, hey, we're running after God after they came to the Lord. And after a while, they were still going through the motions of doing stuff. But something has happened in the process, and now Jesus is coming back, and He says, I want you to do the works that you did when you first came to Me. Love Me the way you loved Me when you first came to Me. Now, in that verse, we see, first of all, an acknowledgement that that initial honeymoon season is to never go away. We are never supposed to love the Lord any less passionately when we first come to Christ. It's of God. And again, why would He command us to love Him if that were not the right thing to do and something that we could all do of our own volition? Secondly, there's a recognition in this of that not happening. You see, people today just act like it's normal to be cold for God. They act like it's normal to not have a prayer life. It's normal to not have a devotion life. Oh, this is just the way things are. God doesn't consider that normal. Jesus doesn't consider that normal. And I believe in this hour, Jesus is saying, I am calling you back to that first place. I am calling you back to a place of passionate love for me. And you need to do whatever you have to do to get back into that place 
You need to deal with your heart. You need to deal with your mind. You need to deal with your attitude. You need to deal with whatever you need to deal with. Sometimes it's a call to action that we have, which I believe is right now. I believe that Jesus is calling His church to action right now. And He's saying, I want you to do whatever you're going to have to do to come back to Me. Change your priorities. Pull away from those new things. None of those new things we read about at the supper they were invited to, none of those were evil worthy. What happened? It's the priority. They were thinking about it all the time. Oh, I've got to go see it. Oh, I can't go. I got to go see it right now. I got to go see it right. We've always got something we got to do right now instead of being pulled away to God. There's always something right now. Oh, I got to do this right now. Why don't you go worship the Lord? No, because I got something else to do. And by the way, it's not simply about the time. It is about the mind, the emotion, what you allow to come into your mind. You know, one thing I've learned in life, I don't think I'll ever grow out of this no matter how old I am in the Lord. You have to always guard your mind. When you get saved, you got to guard your mind against crazy thoughts. You're coming out of however you've been living, right? You don't want to think that way anymore. You want to live for God. But then as you grow in the Lord, there are some other things we begin to learn. I can't allow that thing to monopolize my mind. I need to learn to be in the world, but not of the world. I need to learn to do this, but then let go of it and don't let it grab a hold of me. I can't be running after anything more than I'm running after God. Somebody said one time, you can tell what you idolize the most because it's what you think about the most. It's what's on your mind all the time, apart from when you have to do it at work or whatever like that. See, I believe there's a lot of truth to that. Think of it who God is for us. He wants to be everything for us. He wants to be on our minds all the time. And it's not a chore to be that way. When we're free and we've cultivated our hearts and we've dealt with the weeds that are there, with the wrong attitudes that are there, it comes most naturally. And we are so thankful that we have that. And the more we do that, the more we love Him, the more we want to love Him, the more we just want to be with Him. We want to hear from Him. We're like, God, please meet with me face to face like He did Moses. God, please communicate with me. Show me yourself. Let me see more of you than I saw yesterday. God, I want to know you. God, I want to walk with you. God, I want to see that power. And you see, if you've got the things of this life in you, working in you, speaking to you, monopolizing your thoughts, your heart, your mind, you're not going to have those desires. You're not even going to want them. You go, oh, I'm all right the way I am. Oh, my Christianity is all right. Let me tell you, God is not pleased with that. It doesn't mean he's angry at you or me. But it means that he wants to correct that. I believe these people that he spoke to in Revelation, I believe they love the Lord, but they lost the passionate part about it. And you see, I believe today there's so many people. We love the Lord, but we are not passionate about him like we were. We're not passionate about him anymore. Now, there's so many little Bible stories where this has happened in the Word of God. I'll mention one, maybe two. But there's a story in Haggai where Haggai comes and uh, he gives this word. To, let me read the word and then I'll tell you the story. This is in Haggai 1 verse 3. The word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you to dwell in your paneled houses and for my temple to lie in ruins? Therefore, consider your ways. Listen to that. Consider your ways. We'll see in just a minute, but these are people that actually do love the Lord a lot. They've sacrificed for Him. In fact, let me go ahead and share that. You see, He's speaking to people that about 16 years earlier, before this return, they had left everything that they had built up in Babylon, which the Jews became very prosperous in Babylon, believe it or not. And these people left everything to go to a 
torn down place where the temple was back to Israel, and they went back to build it up, to build up the temple. They sacrificed in a huge way to do that. They love the Lord, but he's telling these people years later, consider your ways. You've sown much and bring in little. You eat, but don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled. You clothe yourself, but no one's warm. And he earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. You know, that is such an interesting thing. Sometimes I'd say that we have demonic resistance to our blessings. There are other times when I believe that the Lord sort of will hinder something in life. Why? Because he's trying to get our attention. Not because he hates us, but because he loves us. And he's trying to turn us around. He says, consider your ways. Have you not recognized this is going on? Have you not recognized this is going on? Now I'll tell you today, if things like that happen, we hardly ever look to spiritual things. In fact, we attribute everything to natural things. Some things, yes, let's call them natural. But even with the weather, I mentioned this last week, so many times in the past, people would go, wait a minute, this is a strange weather pattern. Might God be in this? Do you think God's trying to tell us something in this? Maybe we should pray and seek the Lord. He says, I want you just to think about something. I want you to consider your ways. So they're probably going, consider our ways. What are we doing? We're not living in sin. Hey, has anybody been doing wrong? Anybody been cheating, stealing, robbing? You know, anybody not been honoring God? And then he goes, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I'll have pleasure in it. Again, you look for Lot, but it came to little. And he goes on into that again. And he says, why did this happen? Because of my house. Because you're running to your own house, but you forgot mine. I want to think about the essence of this. What he's saying is, you guys, and remember, these have sacrificed for the Lord a lot in their lives. But at that point, they have turned. Let me just get into that for a minute. See, these people came to Israel to rebuild the temple. They're rebuilding the temple, and they get resistance. They get discouraged. They have legal problems. And after a while, even though they started out well, it looks like God's not in it. It looks like God's not doing anything. They're not going forward. There's no movement. They start to say things like, you know what? God's just not doing this right now. We're going to have to come back and do this later. God's not in this. And so they became discouraged. They disengaged from connecting with God and doing what God wanted to do and getting in the warfare and in the battle of pushing forward. They disengaged from that. And what's naturally going to happen? They started engaging in their own lives. Oh, I need more of this. Oh, and he says, look, you go, you're building your own houses. You're concerned about paneling your house and having this and getting that and giving that. But what about me? You're not putting me first. He says, look, if you put me first and my stuff first, I will bless you, give you what you need. You see, the Lord loves to bless us. God loves us to be blessed. Even with natural things, God loves that. But guess what? He doesn't love it if it's going to take our hearts, if it's going to take our attention. And he says, put me first. Put my house, my things first. And then guess what? Your things are going to be blessed. You know what happened when he said that? It said they heard. They took it to heart. And it said they obeyed. They obeyed the voice of the Lord. And guess what? <laughs> right then, they made the decision to obey. And in verse 13, I mean, right then, he goes, I am with you. I am with you. It just took them recognizing, acknowledging, oh, wow. 
we've fallen from our zeal for the Lord. It's true. We're not engaged in the God things anymore. We're not engaged like we were before. It's true. You see, and why did they get that way? You know, there's always a reason. We don't intend for it to happen normally. I believe they got that way because they got discouraged. They were going forward. First of all, it took a long time. They weren't going forward. They were opposed in every single direction. They aren't able to go forward. And they just go, well, God's not in this. This is one of the times when they should have recognized, you know what? This isn't God opposing us. This is the devil opposing us. We need to pray. We need to go deeper. We need to seek the God, seek God about where we are. But we don't ever need to give up. You see, when you go through hard times, don't ever give up. When you give up, guess what you're going to do? You're going to put that zeal that you have. You're, you're going to have a vision for something else. You know, God made us to have vision. We all want to have vision in life. We're all called to have vision. That's how God wired us. And so God wants us to have a God vision. But guess what happens? If we disconnect from the God vision of God and the things of God, God sort of connects those two together. God and the things of God, if we don't have a vision in that, we're going to look for a vision in something else because we want to feel the need to feel like we're significant or that we're doing something or that we're progressing or you know, we want to be excited about something. We're made to be excited about something. I believe we're made to be excited about God and about working with God. Now, I, now let me back up and just say this too. I believe we should all be enthusiastically doing whatever we've been called to do. If you're a businessman, get into that, right? Whatever you've been called to do, get into that. If you're a teacher, get into that. Be an amazing teacher. Put yourself into that. But there's grace wherever you are to do what you have to do without being consumed by it. To even be able to put yourself into it without being consumed by it. But you will recognize, and I believe by the Holy Spirit, you'll know today if you've been allowing things to grab your attention and where you've been pulled away under things and now you're more excited and distracted by the things of this life than you are excited about God. So these individuals, they heard that. They go, oh, he's right. Wow, why didn't we see that? They repented and it's from that point, God's blessed them. God began to be with. There's another illustration that I think is very similar in Malachi. These individuals, they'd started really, I believe that they were pursuing finances and material things over God. And of course, God says, return to me and I'll return to you. And then they go, what do you mean return? What are we doing wrong? And of course, they had not been honoring God with their material goods. And it was all about that. And guess what? When God brought that to their attention, to their right hearts, they dealt with it. And see, this is what God says. God said there, if you'll deal with that area that has come in, that's returning to me. Did you see that? And Malachi, it was tithing. They weren't tithing. He said, if you'll deal with that issue, because that's your issue, you'll be able to come back. Now, I want you to think about that and not just apply it to that issue, but so many issues, whatever God's been dealing with you on. But you see, that goes back to this thing where we can't just decide, oh, I'm just going to love God more. Oh, I want to love you more. If there's something where we're idolizing something, putting, getting something out of order, not doing something right, the way to come back to God isn't just to go, oh God, I just, a little, it's to do what's right. Do you remember that in the New Testament, how many times people wanted to come to the Lord? And whenever they wanted to come, like in Acts 2, 38, I think, they said, what should we do? And Peter doesn't say, let me lead you in the sinner's prayer. He says, if you want to get right with God, repent 
which means change your mind and change how you're living. Think about that. It's turn, 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 turn. If you want to have a relationship with God, turn, change, deal with stuff. Let go of stuff. Deal with your mess. Too many people think God doesn't care about that. God's like, oh, yes, I do care about that. Don't think you can't deal with your mess. He understands where you are. He understands our imperfect faith, our imperfect love. He understands all of that. And it's precious to him just that we have the right heart to want to go forward. So I want to just finish this today encouraging you because I don't know where everybody is, of course, who's listening to me today, but I see this as a great opportunity. I see this as a great time when God is going to bring an amazing move of God into the earth. There's going to be people turning to God like you've not seen. But I want to say, I'm seeing it happen already. It's, it's like popcorn. Oh, one there, one. I, just, I can just hardly imagine what it's going to be like by the end of the year. I do believe that along with that, God's saying, okay, now I want to bring my church back too. I want to bring those, yes, they love me. They love me, but they've lost that passion that I want them to have. They've lost that I'm in first place thing. That I don't have first place in them anymore. And I believe that's what God's calling us back to. Maybe some of you this morning, even as I'm talking, you realize that there's some distractions. Maybe God's going to need to deal with you all during the week as you begin to do something and you realize, why can't I just fix my heart on the Lord? Why can't I desire God? Why don't you look and see? Consider your ways. Consider where your attention's been going. Consider, is there something you need to pull away from? Is there a little nudging? And don't excuse things. These people could have excused these things. Oh, I've got a new ox. I've got to go see that new ox. I mean, it's amazing. I, I just have to look at him one more time. I mean, so I, I can't go. I, I mean, you see, that doesn't sound sinful. I'm just saying, don't justify what you're doing. Begin to recognize, you know what? Is that pulling away my attention from God? If it is, deal with it. And when you do that, I just want to tell you, whatever God's dealing with you, and I'm talking to the people that love the Lord right now, whatever God has been dealing with you on, let go of it. Deal with it. Bring your priorities right and watch the life of God come back into you. Return to me. Do what you have to do is what he was saying. And I will return to you. My presence will come back to you. My glory will come back to you. So I'm going to pray right now. But I would just want to say this whole thing just, just doesn't come to a head through this prayer. You need to walk this thing out. You need to allow God to deal with you. Now, some of you this morning, you might already know. You know what? I knew I was supposed to let go of that. This relationship's monopolizing my mind. And I know it's not even a right relationship. It's not even the good one. Or this situation, I know I need to let down. You know, another way to say this is you need to consecrate yourself. What's consecrate? Pull yourself away and make yourself separated unto God. Separate from anything pulling you down. It's going to be a great week. God will come back and meet with you. Would you rather have life the way you've been having it the last few days, last few weeks, last few months, maybe for many of you, last few years? Or would you like to have the love of your life come back? Would you like the joy of your salvation restored? Would you like that? Would you like the greatest thing you could have? You see, it's available for you. Well, Father, we want to thank you today. You call us. You call us to a place of loving you, Lord. You love us, Lord. And you're reaching out going, you know what? They got off track somehow. 
Lord, and if you'd rebuke these amazing people in Haggai that sacrificed so much for you, and if you would correct those people in Church of Ephesians and Revelation, they were doing so much for you, somehow they got off track, and you weren't first anymore. God, if you speak to them, and if you'd give us so many examples, how much more will you speak to us and help us out of where we are right now in life into a new place of free, being free to love God, being free from this world, pulling away from distractions. And Lord, we recognize today that this just doesn't happen. We have to cultivate that love. We have to do what's necessary to make sure that our hearts are right with you. And if we will do that and honor you, Lord, that passionate zeal will always be on the inside of us. So God, deal with us this week, each one of us. Help us, God, to go deeper than we've been. Help us, God, to go further than where we've been living. And Lord, we pray, show us, God, what to pull away from. Maybe it's TV. Maybe it's the Internet. Maybe it's social media. God, I just pray, Lord, that each one of us would not make excuses, but we would recognize, yes, this may not be evil, but it's a distraction, and I don't have the fire of God. Let me pull away from everything for a while, maybe, and just seek God and focus on Him and get that love for the Lord back in my heart. Let me get that relationship back with God again. Lord, we just thank you for dealing with each one listening today and making this an amazing week where we're going from where we are now to a new place, an amazing place of success in God, walking with God, loving God, knowing God. Oh, where God's our chief joy and our reason for living every day. In Jesus' name, amen.